Hi church, it's great to see you again. My name is Dave, I'm one of the pastors, and it's, it's been a few weeks since we've been together. I've been, been off for a few weeks, but I'm back, and um, preaching today, I might be a little rusty, and so in advance, I ask uh, for your grace. Today we're continuing our, our series in the book of Proverbs called Wisdom in a Disorienting World. Wisdom for us when the world wants to move us away from wisdom. And this morning, we're going to be searching the scriptures for what God has to say about our words. We're looking at wisdom for our words. Interesting fact. The number one subject addressed in the book of Proverbs has to do with our words. In other words, God knows that we need wisdom as much in this area, maybe even more than any other area of our lives. And so today I want to be focused in our conversation. And to do that, I want to offer three questions for us to ask and answer. The scriptures are going to answer the questions for us. One, why do our words matter? Two, what qualities should mark our words? And three, how can our words be transformed? Those are our guiding questions today. Let's get into it. Question one, Why do our words matter? Perhaps the the crowning verse to answer this question in the the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 18.21. It makes a remarkable statement. Listen to what it says. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. See, the reality is, is that no one's surprised in this message to hear that our words have impact. We're not shocked by that. I know and you know that our words can hurt someone or help someone, frustrate someone or encourage someone. It's not that we don't understand that words matter or that words have impact. The problem is we don't understand how much impact our words have. Proverbs says, The tongue has the power of life and death. This this means that you can heal with your words. You can bring life with your words. But you can also destroy and kill. It's not just that words can hurt someone. You can devastate someone. And we've all experienced this, haven't we? We've all seen reputations killed by words. Trust destroyed and severed by words, our self-esteem devastated by someone else's careless and cruel words. I think I've told this story before, but when I was in middle school, I was kind of a pudgy kid. I was a little chubby. I know it's hard to believe that that was true. This is where you nod and say, we can't even imagine that, Pastor Dave. But it's true. I was, I was kind of a, a chunky kid. I, in middle school, I still hadn't like, lost all my baby fat. And my very best friend in middle school, who, who I love and adore, and I don't even think he was trying to be mean or cruel, but he, he came up with a nickname for me, and he started calling me Doughboy. Some of you who are old enough to remember, you remember the Pillsbury Doughboy and there was commercials where like he'd get poked in the stomach and he was a little doughy. Well, he started calling me Doughboy in reference to the Pillsbury Doughboy because I was chubby. And, and even though those words weren't meant, weren't meant to harm or hurt, they did hurt. And they actually created a lot of insecurity in me that I still sometimes carry to this very day. It's the power of words. 
Here's another example of how words can kill. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. How many relationships have been destroyed by words? Not only, not only words that were spoken directly between two people, not like I said something mean to you or you said something to mean to me and now our relationship is broken, but even more than that, words that were spoken by a third party. Someone says something and that, that word or those words spoken kill the trust and respect and reputation of another person and now a relationship that was at one time alive, maybe even thriving, is now damaged and dead. This happens all the time. It happens in work offices. It happens in neighborhoods. It happens in dormitories and in friend groups or on sports teams. This happens in families. And it even happens in churches. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. You see, what the writer is communicating here is something so important. The writer of Proverbs is saying to us that words have a damaging effect that actually can never be completely taken away. That they always remain. Once once you put a sword into somebody, and I've never personally done this, I hope you haven't either, but I can imagine it, right? I've seen it in some movies. Once you put a sword into somebody, you can pull that sword out, you can remove the sword, but the wound and the scar will always be there. Why do our words matter? Because they have such lasting impact. But it's not all just bad news because our words can have lasting negative impact, but our words can also have lasting positive impact. Listen to the rest of this verse. The, word, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise, that's what we're after in this series, right? To have, to have wise tongues, to be wise people who speak, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your words can heal. Your words can bind up Wounds. Your words can mend and repair and revive the damaged and destroyed things of our world. People's insecurities can be alleviated. Their fears can be eased. Their frustrations soothed. Relationships can be mended by words. Trust restored. Confidence reestablished. All by the words that we speak. This is what Proverbs is telling us. And friends, not just the lives of other people. Your words don't just impact others. The scriptures say time and time again that your words will have tremendous impact on your life. Your words will lead you towards life or towards death. This is Proverbs 12, 13. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk. Their talk impacts their life. Verse 14, from the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things. See, our words can lead us this way or that way. Words that come out of your mouth not only have the power to do damage and good to other people, they will also lead your very life towards life and peace and grace and hope and righteousness or or towards worry and frustration and brokenness. That's the power 
of words. You see, words clothe your thoughts. Words, here's what they do. They clarify and they reinforce your thinking. If you say to someone, if you're talking and you're in, with your words, you say, I hate so-and-so. I hate that guy or I hate that lady, right? You say that, the reason it came out of your mouth is because you felt it. Because you felt it in your heart. But then you feel it even more because you said it. Your words help sort of cement that feeling in your life. Why do our words matter? Because they have the power of life and death. I hope that Proverbs has your attention. Question two, what qualities should mark our words? I want to offer you three Three qualities out of the book of Proverbs. Three ways the scriptures call us to bring life to ourselves and others with our words. Here we go. The first, Proverbs calls us to use authentic words. Authentic words. Listen to this from Proverbs 12, 17. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. Now, when we look deeper into this verse, it's actually saying more to us than we might initially think. The word translated lies here is actually better translated deceit or deception. But a false witness deceives or or offers deceit or offers deception. In other words, according to scripture, the opposite of telling the truth is not lying. The opposite of telling the truth is trying to paint a false picture of reality. Listen to the definition of deceit or deception. An act or statement which misleads, hides the truth, or promotes a belief, concept, or idea that is not true. Deception frequently involves presenting only part of the truth and is often done for personal gain or advantage. Now, if that doesn't describe our social media culture, I don't know what does. Presenting only certain aspects of our lives and leaving out others in order to make ourselves look better than we really are, in order to sort of shift reality. And yet, here's where it gets worse. It gets worse than just social media. This can also, deception is what I'm talking about right now, This can also describe many church cultures where there's pressure to look more good or holy or righteous than we really are. This happens all the time in churches, friends, in the people of God, and it breaks the heart of God. God says when we deceive other people, when we try to sort of leave out part of the truth and present ourselves as better or more holy than we actually are, God says that destroys community. It will bring death, not life. That's why one of our distinctives here at Cedar Mill Bible Church is that by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will continue to pursue this. Relate authentically. That when when we interact with each other, when we relate with one another, we're going to be authentic. We're going to be honest. We're not going to deceive. We're not going to practice deception here, not in the church, not within the people of God. We're going to relate authentically. Here's, and it starts with our words. If it starts, authenticity begins with what we say, specifically about ourselves. 
Here's a second quality. Proverbs calls us to use not just authentic words, but gentle words. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, when we think about gentle words, we might think that as Christians, the scriptures are asking us to, you know, we should always sort of talk like this and we should never say anything to upset anybody else. We should just be very gentle. No, that's not what the Bible is getting at. In fact, listen to Proverbs 25, 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. And a gentle tongue can break a bone. That doesn't sound as mamby-pamby as you thought it did. I mean, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Listen to how Tim Keller describes this. He says, to break a bone means to break down the most hardened resistance to an idea a person may possess. Gentle speech should be pointed. Gentle speech can be argumentative. Gentle speech can be contradictory to the listener. A gentle word is bone-breakingly clear, yet in tone, in purpose, in voice, and in motivation, kind. I'll read that last part again. A gentle word is bone-breakingly clear, yet in tone, in purpose, in voice, and in motivation, kind. We notice that in 15.1, gentle words are contrasted with harsh words. They're sort of opposite of one another. And in Hebrew, this, this word harsh, it really means to inflict pain. Words that are meant and inflict pain. In other words, Scripture is saying that if your goal with your words is to hurt the other person or to inflict pain upon them or to just win the argument, then not only are your words ungodly, they will actually be ineffective. Words motivated and meant to correct and not chastise, lift up and not put down, heal and not hinder, will always have a more desired effect. That's the wisdom of the Bible. They will be persuasive. How many of us can think of a time when in the midst of an argument or in the midst of a conversation, you were right, you knew you were right, you were correct, you were on the side of truth and you were certain of it, and yet... In that moment, your words were more harsh than gentle. How many of us can relate to that moment? I've sent some emails like that in my life. You know how it goes. You know the feeling, right? You're all fired up and you're typing away with like righteous indignation. I'm going to let this person know and I'm going to tell them what I think and they're wrong and I'm right. And you're just, you know, just ripping out this email and then you hit send and it feels great for a few moments. And then, as your emotions settle and the Holy Spirit's voice gets louder, you realize that was a big mistake and it's not going to work and now I've got some damage to try and clean up. Friends, gentle words are the words that mark the heart and life of a follower of Jesus. How much... Does our world need gentle words in discourse today? How much does our world on social media, in person, in churches, in the public sphere, need Christians to offer gentle words? 
Friends, I'll just say this. This might be one of the main ways that as Jesus followers, we can be salt and light in this society by being people who bring gentle words. Quality three, we must also use confessional words. Confessional words. You see, one of the dangers of of a sermon on words in church is that some of you will think that, you know, if I'm a Christian then I can only now, because I'm thinking about what Pastor Dave is saying, I can only talk about positive, happy, you know, life is always good in Jesus sorts of things. And that if I do talk about sin or struggle or hurt or pain or frustration or anger, you know, that's a bad thing. That's sinful. That's sort of off limits for followers of Jesus. But listen, listen to what Proverbs has to say. This is Proverbs 10, 18. The one who conceals hatred has Lying lips. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. In other words, when there's, when there's anger and frustration and bitterness and hatred in your heart, and then you speak as if everything is just hunky-dory, Proverbs says you're not speaking righteously. You're not operating in truth. You're not operating in honesty and authenticity. Well, then... What am I supposed to do? Maybe you're asking Pastor Dave. You know, am I just, if I do feel those things, do I just like let it rip? Do I just spew that stuff? Do I just sort of vent openly and freely? Oftentimes that we're told this is a good thing to just vent. And yet that's not, I believe, what Proverbs is calling us to. In fact, if you read the second half of this verse, it offers us a warning for this moment. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. You can't just stuff it. You can't just pretend like those feelings don't exist. And and whoever utters slander is a fool. So just holding your emotions, your hatred, your frustration inside and pretending like it's not there, that's actually lying. But we're also... Not supposed to just say, you know, you know, Steve is such a jerk and he did this and he did that. And, you know, he's just this kind of a person. And, you know, I feel this way about him. We don't just sort of like let it rip because the scripture says that's slander. That's tearing another person down needlessly. So what is scripture asking us to do with our words here? Let me suggest this to you. Scripture is calling us to talk about our emotions confessionally. Talk about how we're feeling honestly with God or maybe even with a trusted spiritual friend. Scriptures is saying to, 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 to talk this way. I have some feelings in my heart and I need the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what part of my heart is actually righteous and true and what part is really clothed in sin. You see, Suddenly, when you speak confessionally, the goal of your words is not to to malign or to tear down another person. The goal of your words is now to get your heart right with Jesus, realigned with him, your thinking and feelings in line with his thinking and feelings. Again, I love how Tim Keller describes this. He says, you talk to somebody about what you're feeling on the inside and it makes it easier to see it. It makes it easier to understand yourself. Haven't you ever noticed how often when you talk something out with somebody, you understand yourself better when it's done? 
It helps you see your own insides because it clothes and makes your thoughts something that is visible. You can sift them and get perspective on them and throw out the stupid thoughts much more easily because you've talked about them. He's speaking here about confessional speaking about our emotions with a trusted spiritual mentor or with the Lord. I recently did this very thing with a good friend. I spent hours with a good buddy in the car just sifting through and talking out some of my difficult feelings, just confessing, here's what's happening inside of me. And in the middle of that, in the middle of talking with this brother, the Holy Spirit shows up and then brings wonderful and corrective, godly perspective to my mind and heart. We must, as followers of Jesus, practice confessional words. So there they are. Authentic words, gentle words, confessional words. How? How? If our words have the power of life and death, how do we shift our words towards life? How can our words be transformed to reflect the heart of God? Because here's the problem. Some of you are going to listen to this message and it's going to convict you. This is a convicting message. If you're not convicted by this message, you're not listening to this message. This message pierces us. The scripture comes in and like challenges and convicts. I'm convicted by this message. Some of you are going to experience that conviction and then you're going to say, you know, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm going to sincerely commit to changing my words. You're going to try really hard in the next days and weeks to edit yourself. And you're going to make a conscious effort to, to say more gentle and authentic things with your mouth. And you're going to commit to, to confess instead of slander when you have feelings of anger or frustration or bitterness. But here's the bad news that I have for you today. All that effort will not work. It's not going to work. It's going to be a failed attempt. It might work for a day. It, it might work for a week. For some of you very disciplined, like type A personalities, maybe you even get a few weeks of solid effort. But eventually, eventually, here's the truth. Your words will settle back into a perfect reflection of what is happening in your heart. They just will. Friends, listen how often Proverbs connects our words to our hearts. This is perhaps the main theme that Proverbs lifts up about our words. Listen to these verses. Chapter 10, verse 20, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. Chapter 15, verse 7, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. Chapter 15, verse 14, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Chapter 15, verse 28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Chapter 17, verse 20, one whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. Friends, what Proverbs teaches us over and over and over again and what Jesus also echoes is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
In other words, changing your words requires changing your heart. And just, and just for clarity, one scholar I read this week defines the heart this way. When the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about what you most hope in, what you most love, what gives you meaning in life. That's your heart. What you're really living for, what you're really looking to for your significance and security. That's your heart. Let me make this practical. Let me just bring it down to a practical level for you. Maybe you're kind of a people pleaser. I can relate to this. I can be a people pleaser. I grew up most of my life a major people pleaser and I'm sort of in recovery at this point or trying to be at least. Maybe you're the same. Maybe you're a people pleaser. Maybe you wrestle with that. Your heart is sort of tempted with or filled with this need to look good and gain the approval of other people. In fact, when people do approve of you, when they like you, when they respect you, then that's when you feel safe and you feel secure and you feel good about yourself and you feel important. That means that at the center of your heart is this need for approval from others. Friends, if that's you, if that truly is your heart, then it's going to be really challenging to be authentic with your words, especially when authenticity makes you look bad, especially when authenticity doesn't win the approval of other people. There's going to be this, if that's your heart, if that's really at the center of you, there's going to be this constant temptation to deceive, to sort of tweak the truth, to sort of move reality around just subtly so that people will say, you're great, you're awesome, let's be friends. And friends, this is where the gospel sets us free. This is where the gospel doesn't just say, okay, get out there and change your behavior, start you know, using better words. No, this is where Jesus Christ comes in and says, I want to change your heart. See, the gospel says, God loves you. God accepts you and forgives you and approves of you. Not because you're right. Not because you're always good. Not because people think highly of you. And so God does too. No, but because through the death And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven and redeemed and restored to be a daughter, a son of God himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. You're his child, not because you earned it or deserved it, because he offered it to you for free by his grace and mercy. And when that is your heart, When that truth is what you most hope in and what you most love and what gives you meaning, what you're living for, what you're really looking to, and you're looking to that truth for significance and security, then all of a sudden with that in your heart, you know what flows out of your mouth? Authentic words. Because you don't have to impress anybody because the one who really matters is already impressed with you. No matter what you've done or what you do or how bad you blow it, You know what flows out of your mouth when the gospel is in the center of your heart? Gentle words. He was so gentle with you. He's been so honest but kind, challenging but gracious with you that you can't help but allow that that kindness and that gentleness and that graciousness to flow out of your mouth when the gospel is at the center of your heart. Confessional words flow because you long to be like your Savior Those are the words that just come out. 
So when the words of your mouth aren't right, when you find yourself saying things, thinking things, posting things, typing things that are like, this is not what Proverbs says. This doesn't line up with Pastor Dave's sermon. Friends, that's like a warning light on the dashboard of your life saying, not get your attitude together or get your words together. That's a warning light saying something's wrong inside. My heart isn't aligned, isn't rooted in the gospel, isn't connected to Christ, isn't being guided and led by the Holy Spirit. And so when your words move away from the Lord, turn your heart back to the Lord. Turn to his word. Let it wash over you. Talk to a spiritual friend through prayer. Speak with your heavenly father. Ask the Holy Spirit to root you again in this reality because of God's amazing grace. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, I am loved and forgiven and accepted. I am a child of the King of Kings. That's at the center of me. Friends, today I want to just close with a prayer. And I want to pray it on behalf of all of us. So I'm going to invite you to just join with me and in your own words, in your own mind and heart, just say these things to God. Ask God to do what he needs to do in our hearts as a people, as his people, as his bride, as his church, so that our hearts are right, so that our mouths can speak for him in this world where we live. Let's pray. Father, first of all, we just confess that often, Often our, our tongues reveal that our hearts aren't synced up with you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear when our words are trying to say something's wrong inside. Help us to hear what we're saying, to really, really listen to what we're communicating, Lord. And then by the power of the Spirit, help us discern if it comes out of a heart connected to you. And Lord, then I I just ask that you would save us from just trying to be good moralistic people. People who say the right things and present ourselves in one way, but internally are not those folks. And so God, get our hearts right. Center us again in your grace and in your mercy. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to, as we dive into your word, really understand who you are and who you long for us to be in this world. Just line us up with you. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We give you control again. We want our hearts to be founded in you. That's what we need. That's what this world needs. Help us to be your people, Father. That's our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. It's great to be with you again, and we'll see you real soon.